Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. I'm Ann Hamley, the host of the podcast. And today I'm super happy to have with me Julie Whelan, who is the Global Head of Occupier Thought Leadership. That's a long title, Julie. Um, you're with CBRE. I don't know if I said that. Um, and you're in the research area. I'd love for you to better explain what you focus on in your research, and then we can get into uh, some questions here. Thanks, Ann, for that introduction. And yes, it is quite a title. And a lot of people say, what is that? What exactly do you do? <laughs> and my goal when I came into CBRE was just to stay on top of trends of tenants in the market, because it's important for our professionals to understand. It's important for them as clients, as occupiers to understand what their peers are doing. And it's obviously important for all real estate professionals to understand tenant trends, which I think is really clear right now, because ultimately tenant trends are what drive the real estate market. Well, actually, that's great. And I, I think it's probably clear to you what the trends are from tenants, but I'd love to hear, you know, we, we talk about it a lot in the owner, you know, office owner uh, side of the equation, if you will. And I, the minute I heard that you focused on, you know, tenant behavior and and all that, I thought, oh, that'd be a really great thing. So help us out and talk about what are some, what are some of the things, the hot topics or things that you're hearing in the market from tenants relative to off? I think this will be mostly focused on office, you know? Yes, yeah. that's where, that's the fast lane that I've been living in. And <laughs> the trend that is the hot button topic of, I would argue, the decade is the future of work and what that is going to do to the office market. And I'd say our tenants, our clients are less concerned with what it's gonna to do to the office market. They're more concerned with what it's gonna to do to their portfolio because most real estate professionals that are driving their real estate portfolios on behalf of their companies, their companies aren't in the real estate business. And so they don't want to be paying for or leasing more space than they need. And right now, when we're in a point in time where office occupancy is quite low, that is a discussion that is being had in boardrooms around the world. And certainly here, especially in the U.S., which is, well, our people aren't coming back as much as we anticipated. Are we going to do something about that or are we going to manage our portfolio accordingly? You know, we um, I just recently became aware of, uh, I guess I never thought about it before, but a um, vendor called Castle, which I know you said you had, you know, certainly have some input on that. But what I found shocking, and I've got so many questions to ask you, I'm struggling with which one first, so probably running all over the place. But Castle tracks what I saw was actual people, they, they, they create those uh, key cards, right, that people get in a building with. And they tell maybe you fill in what do they track? And how's that relevant here? I thought it was super relevant. Yes, yeah, so we are very keyed in, no pun intended, to Castle data, <laughs> and it is really the most consistent data, I would say, that has been out there since the beginning of this entire uh, era that we are in, that has been able to help understand directionally where office occupancy is going. A lot of people have a lot of different things to say about Castle. I think that it is a good metric to look at just to understand, not necessarily that 
office space in New York is 49.2% occupied, but that directionally office space in New York yeah. or wherever they're tracking is either going up, down, or sideways. Like that's how I generally look at it. And right. what the data is telling you is how many people are swiping into a building versus today versus how many people were swiping in before the pandemic. So the index is baselined back to pre-pandemic. Now, what some of the arguments are with that data is that number one, if there was vacancy already in a building and you only had 60% of the building key, people keying into a building before the pandemic anyway, that's not capturing that. But we know that there was a lot of shadow vacancy before the pandemic that wasn't necessarily acknowledged. And additionally, there are in some cases more people in the workforce that could be using offices today than before because office using employment is in some cases above pre-pandemic levels. And it obviously is not normalizing for that. But I think generally just to say, where are we today versus what state we were in before the pandemic for the markets that they're tracking, it is very good data to look at to directionally understand where we're going. And directionally we have been rather stuck, I would say, for a good six months now. But since Labor Day, which is what we expected, we are seeing slow, gradual movements in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when there was a time, at least I would say a couple months ago, if you talk to five different people that that specialize in commercial real estate office buildings, like owners, you would hear everything from oh, I think it's all going to be fine. It's just a matter of getting people back after Labor Day. That is what you always heard. Uh, two people saying, I think every tenant is going to renegotiate their lease in some way, shape, or form at renewal. Uh, two, and maybe those are the two mains. So you had two extremes. And I think there were people that, a lot of us that are sort of like, who, I can't, it's 50-50. I don't know what's going to happen, right? I imagine you have more insight into that. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know the exact question to ask you, but what are your thoughts from your research on what is going to happen in the next couple of years in office? I think it's the hottest topic in the industry today by far. So love to hear your knowledgeable thoughts on this. Yes, and it is it is a big question that many people are trying to take educated guesses on right now. And I can say I'm so happy we're past Labor Day because that argument is out <laughs> of the way that it was not yeah. this magic fix. I think that people thought yeah. that it was going to be this line that we crossed. And once we crossed it, everything was magically going to get yeah. better. And we knew that wasn't the case. And for sure, right now, we've seen, again, that gradual uptick, but certainly not a solution. One other thing that I would love to get through, because a lot of argument is that once a recession hits, that people will come back to the office more often. It's not an argument that I buy into. And so I will be very pleased when we get through that period of time and we see that, yes, although we may see different behaviors, it's again, not gonna get us back to those levels that we saw before the pandemic. So, but the question is what is gonna happen to the office market yeah. due to all of this? And we have the benefit of working very closely with our sister organization, which is Econometric Advisors. And they are a bunch of very smart economists, one of which handles office specifically, and they are able to help us with a lot of modeling 
in this space. Now, the challenge with modeling is that modeling is based on history, usually, and Mm -hmm. it is really difficult to find historical precedent for this because we are in completely new territory. So we have taken the history that they usually build into their office models, and we have coupled it with the real knowledge that we have around what we believe assumptions of office usage are. Those assumptions generally are that people are gonna on average be in the office about three to three and a half days a week. That might even be conservative based on what we're really seeing today, which might be closer to two and a half days a week um, when we really get to steady state. So there is certainly a sensitivity analysis that we're doing alongside of this. Now, if you just assume that people are gonna be in the office more, the blanket statement that you're gonna jump to is that you're going to need a whole bunch less space. But when you really think about it and you say, okay, well, people are going to be in the office less, but they're not going to be in the office evenly every day of the week, which means that we're going to have to plan for some kind of peak load throughout the week to be able to handle the max amount of people that are going to be in our office. Additionally, space design is changing. Yes, there are some organizations, many organizations that are going to continue to contract, But there are some organizations that are gonna take those space design principles and as a result actually maybe need more space to satisfy for that collaboration area, that need for focused work, that need for social space, all the different areas that you need to build into modern workplace today. And then at the end of the day, what you really have to understand is that hopefully God willing, once we get through this blip in the economy, office using job growth is still gonna continue to grow. And although the ratio of office space to office using job growth may not be as great as it has been in the past, it will still be a factor in office growth. So our best estimate when you really rank all that stuff together and put it in the washing machine and take it out into one answer is that we are going to be somewhere around a nine to 15% reduction in space per employee demand going forward. Now that means that if every organization could change their space model today, that might be what we see. However, it takes time, as we know, for organizations to find those least catalyst activities to actually do something with their space. So you Mm -hmm. actually also have this notion of time that it's gonna take a while for all of this to work its way out into the office market. And as it's working its way out, we may see other changes that actually end up helping be a tailwind for the office market Mm -hmm. also, depending on which way the winds shift with this future of work. Um, So that's generally what we're seeing. So yes, are we expecting a pullback? 100%. But do we think that it is the extent that it's going to mean the death of the office market? No. What it just means is that the pie that is the office market is not going to continue to get exponentially bigger as it has in past cycles. Right. And as you move around uh, within that pie, as an example, when what a lot of owners I work with are concerned about the owner of the property, I'm working mostly in CMBS product, products, right, loans. So most of those borrowers are now wondering, what will I do when this tenant wants to, you know, reduce their space and I need to subdivide it and add someone else or I'll change at all equals a, change and CMBS just don't go well together. So even as it's shifting and moving, if you've got a CMBS loan, there's a little bit more challenge in figuring out the solution. Well, that was a statement, I guess, but let me ask you a question. That I, so let's say it all 
sort of evens out kind of in the wash. I, I, I sort of, that's, I think that's like, if I had to draw my own opinions, that's sort of what I think will happen. Will there be some movement? How, how much do you think the um, Gen X, you know, generational uh, influence will have on the long run for office? Do you, you know, you probably already know what I'm asking there, but. Generations matter. And we actually talk, I think generations matter in terms of the age of the workforce, but it also matters in terms of life stage that people are in, which is another way that we look at things. And so if you just take generations right now, without a doubt, all the data that we're seeing, those that are least focused or wanting to support hybrid work are men and baby boomers. The data just shows Mm -hmm. it is what it is. There's still large cohorts of them that do support it, but generally those that are less eager to apply it are are those two cohorts. Because it's always been done the other way. That's, you know, you got that right. right. And I have an entire theory about that, but yes, that (laughs) is just the way it is. And those are the two cohorts that have run corporate America and that have run office space. However, it's important to understand that now we have four generations in the workplace. The baby boomer generation is moving the out end. of the workplace <laughs> yeah. and Gen X, which is me and all those below me are coming up and mm-hmm. women are coming into the workplace more. And we have a lot of different areas of diversity in the workplace mm-hmm. that are only going to get heightened. And so I truly believe that that's where the generational shift is going to matter. As the older generation migrates out, the younger generation comes in to leadership roles, executive and below, and also diversity comes into the workplace more, you are going to see that this becomes less of a discussion and more of just a way of life. Now, this doesn't mean that the office isn't important because the office is still going to be important in all of that. However, the purpose of the office and the way that the office is viewed is going to just naturally have a different perspective and a different point of view put on it, I think, when that happens. Now, we talk about life stage because one of the areas that we're uncovering is that organizations have to know their people. Because if they know their people, then they are going to know where their space should be located. It has nothing to do with the workplace is what we're finding as to why people come in or not. That the workplace will make them happy or not when they're in, but in terms of actually getting them to come into the office, what matters is how long is their commute time? Do they feel that they can just naturally do their job elsewhere and that they don't need an office? And how good is the quality of the actual location and neighborhood that the office is in? Those are the things that ultimately make their decision when they get up in the morning. How long is it gonna take me to get there? What's the friction associated with my commute? Do I feel like I get any value of being there? And what is my ecosystem when I'm there? And does it make me happy? And those are real things that are gonna depend on, do you live in the suburbs or the city or, what kind of amenities do you need around you at work, depending on the life stage that you are, you know, in your life. And there's so right. many different things that go into it that we are really urging that clients get to know their employee from that perspective. Absolutely. Well, that was really well put. And so in, it, it, let's say, let's go 10 years down the road where most of the baby boomers will likely be retired. Um, 
or you know something. Um, and so now you've got the next generation running the company. It, 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 do you think the flexibility in going to an office will be instituted kind of already by that point, or is it going to have to get all the way, you know, or I know that's not really a fair question to ask, but I guess what I'm really trying to get at is how long before you, you think the generational impact uh, is actually applied to office space. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it is. Um, it's probably the big question we're all trying to figure is. out. Yeah. It is a yeah. good question. And when you think about even before the pandemic, it's interesting because I run a lot of surveys on our clients. And in 2019, I was on, I think, my fifth survey since I had joined CBRE. And I said, I, I'm not doing it this year because nothing is changing fast. I can tell you mm. what the results are going to be. <laughs> yeah. Real estate does not move quickly. And yeah, so yeah. I put my you know efforts towards another cause and lo and behold, in 2020, the Boom. pandemic yeah. hit and <laughs> yeah. it was like really important that we did the surveys yeah. again. But the right. reason that I share that story is because real estate and everything to do with real estate tends to move very slowly. And no, it's absolutely. very difficult to kind of move the ship because yeah. it's just so big and so structured and fixed, literally. Um, but I think that it is going to take a good five years to 10 years to really see this work out. And I think that to really see it work out, we need to see people change their perspective. And what I mean yeah, by that right. is instead of focusing on, we want you to come in two and a half to three days a week, and we're going to plan our real estate around that. It's more come in when the purpose of the office serves you. We're going to create environments where that purpose should be there more often than not. And your desire and need to go into the office is just naturally going to happen. And it's no longer going to be this mm. thing that we have to dictate anymore. That's when we know when mm. we're not having these conversations anymore, that we have reached the point where we're really on the other side of this and we can start to plan our portfolio. Oh, wow. You know, that was a profound statement. I, I was in commercial real estate. I've been in commercial real estate for 40 years and I was in commercial real estate and on different, you know, in different uh, trade associations and everything um, way back. I think I told you with Brian Stoffers, I mean, way back 40 years, you know, I don't mean to imply that he's old, but you know, I was then. So 35, 40 years ago, there were no women, no women, no women. And um, I, other than a few of us, right? And as people started asking, well, how do we diversify? How do we attract more women? I had the same kind of answer you just gave me on this, which is it, the, you'll know you got there when it's not a question anymore. Like just hire the right people, get the right people on the jobs. It's naturally going to happen. If you keep focusing like, oh, what should we do? We'll have these surveys and these reports. And it's like, it, you can't fix it that way. So I think what I'm hearing you say is along those same lines, eventually it will all shake out and get adjusted as we progress in, you know, to gener through generations. Yeah. <laughs> that was really neat. Yeah. It will yeah. until the next question arises. And this one is. So, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wow. Well, Julie, we could probably talk for hours because there's so many things we, you know, oh, uh, we are in the same fast lane on the freeway. <laughs> Maybe that's why you look familiar, right? We've, past each other once on that That's very right. fast lane on the freeway. <laughs> right. Yeah, I really appreciate your insight. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share, but that I didn't ask you, but uh, is there anything else or otherwise? I think we had a great podcast. 
Yeah, thank you, Anne. I just think that anybody who wants to help bring clarity to this subject is awesome. So thank you for giving <laughs> cool. a spotlight to this subject on this podcast. Well, I think everybody wants to know where this goes. And the funny thing is we, we can't know yet. There's no way I can imagine you could properly predict this. It's behavior. It's kind of like retail and shopping habits. I mean, it's just changing, but we don't know where it's going to land at the, in the, you know, in five to 10 years, but it's just, it changing. is true. And I actually do think that there are a lot of lessons that we can learn if we follow the last decade of the retail story and apply it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, Julie, very nice talking to you. I really appreciate your time today. And um, I guess we'll look forward to reconnecting again in the future. Thank you for, for doing this, Julie. Thank you for having me.